0: Thank you. Hello and welcome to
1: Permanently Resident, a podcast about the ups and downs of living abroad. My name is Robin. I'm from Brighton, England, and I live in Richmond, California.
0: Hey, I'm Jose. I'm from Simi Valley, California, and I'm living in Tokyo.
1: This is episode 12. Today we're talking about assimilation. So we've got a new section to start our uh, podcast this week. It's question of the week. Uh, you can send your questions to permanently res, that's R E S, at gmail.com, and we'll pick the best ones to discuss live on the podcast. Today's question is from Takashi in Tokyo. He asks Is homelessness really as bad as it seems in San Francisco? Wow. So I guess San Francisco is starting to get a bit of a, a, bit of a rough reputation. What if. Uh, what have people in Japan uh, said to you about San Francisco?
0: Uh, yeah, they, they imagine it to be a very liberal city as it is, and uh, expensive, obviously, right? I think behind New York it's number two, as far as uh, you know the housing prices. So and mm-hmm. a lot of homelessness, obviously. Is, is it true? Is it I mean, I've been there like 10, 10 years ago, and it was pretty bad. How's it going these days?
1: As far as I can see, well, what I've seen over the past five or six years is it's getting worse and worse. Um, you know, you see a lot of you see a lot of homelessness in San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley. I think those are the real hotspots. You know, other places around the Bay Area, you see it too. But I think it's just a question of you know becoming more and more unaffordable, mm-hmm. and so you know, if, if someone you know loses their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and loses their apartment it's it's so tough to get back uh, back on back into housing you know because it's just so ex- so expensive even to start with you know you've got to pay mm-hmm. moving costs and then you've got to pay your deposit and then you've got to pay your first month's rent sometimes the last month's rent um, you know you've got to show your credit score you've got to look presentable so you know if you can't achieve even one of those things then it's just so difficult to get into housing so i mean in terms of the actual situation you know it's people get scared when they go to um downtown san francisco especially the tenderloin area south of market area uh civic center area you know there's a lot of people uh who are homeless there's a lot of addiction issues um abuse and mental health issues and you know it's really it's really you know it's really tragic sometimes seeing that um
0: you get panhandled basically every time you go into san francisco at least once
1: oh yeah i mean every time multiple times multiple times wow Um, really
0: annoying to go into a city and get panhandled every time
1: i mean i don't think it's not that unusual you know i've lived in london before Um, and it's pretty commonplace in London. I think what's just, what's shocking about San Francisco is just, that the problems are so visible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in, in other cities, you know, the same issues are there. You just don't see them directly when you're walking in down in the downtown area. Yeah. Um, so you just, you know, you see, you know, I've seen people shooting up you know, right in the street um, in the middle of the day or, you know, taking a dump on the sidewalk at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, so I think, you know, if you're not prepared for that, mm-hmm. it's pretty shocking. I think, you know, I've had I've had quite a I've, – I've worked a number of schools in San Francisco and some people just arrive with no idea what's happening. You know, they think – you know san francisco california is just uh you know bronze blonde surfers and uh, cheeseburgers and uh, beaches and that's about it and then they get to their school in downtown downtown san francisco and they're in for a bit of a shock
0: what would you say like uh you mentioned obviously mental health and drug use what what percentage of homelessness would you say that makes up as oh boy, I, I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't want to guess. I think it makes up a large percentage of the very visible homeless.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, you know, I think you've just. I think miscon- one misconception about it is that uh, you know all homeless people are are addicts or something. I think you've just got quite a lot of regular people who have who have lost their homes and uh, lost the ability to pay for. Uh, decent place to live so you've got just regular people out there so i think that's yeah i think that gets lost a little bit with all the people you know the higher profile um incidents Mm -hmm. that happen with people who are mentally disturbed or um you know dying of overdoses on the streets and that hides the you know regular people who've perhaps lost their jobs recently in uh you know the retail sector or whatever it is and they don't have any other option
0: Takashi, bring bring change if you're going to San Francisco, it sounds like. Bring a lot of quarters.
1: Yeah, or maybe maybe stay somewhere else. <laughs> right. So uh, so thank you, Takashi, for, for your question. Uh, if you do have a question, please uh, email in, permanentlyresres at gmail.com, and uh, we'll discuss uh, one on each episode. So uh, let's move on a little bit and uh, focus on our main topic for today, which is assimilation. Um, so let's let's first of all mention I think what's probably the biggest symptom of failed assimilation, which is, you know, expat communities or expat enclaves. Mm-hmm. Um so growing up in the Los Angeles area, what you know, what are some of the those uh expat enclaves or ethnic enclaves that you're more familiar with?
0: Um yeah, I guess I guess I know some Latino people who never, never learn English, who, uh, who just speak Spanish and um, yeah, it's a bit shocking if they're in the country for 20, 30 years and nothing, nothing's changed. Right. So I, I found that to be quite common.
1: Mm. I mean in in the in the bay area you find that in a number of places Mm -hmm. you know most famously you've got chinatown in san francisco but there's a big chinatown also in oakland Mm -hmm. um and you know for those people that live in those communities they can do everything in there they've got you know they've got lawyers they've got accountants um they can go to the supermarket they can go to the doctor um you know they've got uh, dating agencies they can do anything that they want. They can do everything that they need without speaking English um, at all.
0: Yeah. And that's a real hot topic too, because you know, America's having, having its current culture war and you know, it's Mm -hmm. not the overarching big theme, but I think part of it too, is uh, you know, people not assimilating and people not speaking the language and there's, there's a big argument about that. Right.
1: That's definitely true, and in a moment we'll talk about some of the barriers that stop people participating, sure. but I think also there's a there's a bit of a myth that um, you know that that kind of behavior is limited to immigrants from lower socioeconomic um, levels. I think both of us have had plenty of experience of people failing to assimilate from from you know people who have high levels of education and good jobs mm-hmm. um, not assimilating either because they they don't want to or or sometimes because they can't right um yeah, yeah so do you can does anyone pop into your mind when we when we're talking about that
0: um yeah i guess the the classic example in japan are are foreigners who who come here and do very little to assimilate obviously mm-hmm. a lot of foreigners i know are are university educated and they've come here for either professional jobs or perhaps to teach English abroad or something like that. And, um, yeah, a lot of them just have chosen not to, not to try to assimilate in Japan. You know, it might be too tough.
1: Yeah. I, I, I've seen that plenty of times in different places Mm -hmm. in the UK. I've seen it here. I've seen it, um, in Mexico and Chile, you know, people who have just, Mm -hmm. Not not made the effort to learn anything about the culture, anything about the language. Um, You know, enjoy the local foods, the local um, people. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my experience, those people end up end up having quite a tough time of it.
0: Definitely, I I think those people are usually people who turn quickly, right, or after a year or two, usually.
1: Yeah, well, from what I've seen, and this is a generalization, people seem to have a very good time in those expat communities for three months and six months, maybe somewhere around there. They're out, they're socializing a lot. You know, maybe they're dating in that community, they're drinking a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's kind of one big party for a while, right? Um, sure. But then I think after the six month mark, uh-huh. people seem to get start getting tired of that, I think. And uh, maybe they exhaust. Uh, the pool of people that are there, um, yeah. maybe twenty-four hour partying becomes less appealing than it, uh, than it had been before. Um, mm. But people seem to get a little bit burned out when they um, fail to make that effort to assimilate. Have you have you seen that?
0: Um, yeah, I've definitely th- seen it. It's a common theme. Uh, you know people who just st- stick within their community as you mentioned it's like really limited right it's not it's not a huge community you're gonna have a, a limited amount of people you can interact with and you know once once you burn through those people it's like where do you go from here you go home kind of <laughs> that's that's the answer i think yeah
1: well where do you find more people like that well you don't find them where you are right you got to go back to your own country to find more people that are like-minded exactly. so so you know i think you know whether people have left their hometown maybe they never left their hometowns or they've never left their countries or they've traveled extensively i think you know most people have encountered um immigrants that have failed to fail to assimilate into their communities or countries so let's let's talk about a few of the barriers that stop people doing that Uh, and maybe we can talk about our our personal experiences a little bit so let's start off with the most obvious one i think is that you know assimilation requires a lot of effort right
0: yeah it requires a lot of effort um there's there's a book like the cross-cultural map um you know every every culture is somewhere on this cross-cultural map right and and the further you need to make you know, travel from, you know, one side of your, your culture to, you know, another culture, I think, you know, it's, it's much tougher, right? Like the U S and Japan, there's quite a distance in that cultural map. while England and the U S there's still distance, but it's maybe half as much. Right. So it really depends where you're going, how much effort you need to exert. And I think a barrier, one big barrier is how far do you need to go? Do you need to do? You need to go from you know all the way from one side to the other, then mm-hmm. that's going to take a massive effort, right?
1: Yeah, I think I don't think you need to go all the way to to be successful. In fact, I think sometimes sometimes people go too far. Um, one example that comes to mind is uh, I was wo- when I was working in Chile, worked in a little town, and there was an American guy there, mm-hmm. Bryce Bryce okay um you know he was he was an all-american boy let's say um and he just went a hundred percent in for chilean culture just joining every club uh you know learning the local dance Mm -hmm. trying every single food adopting the slang um (laughs) which always seems a little bit false to me but he really went in and i think he you know i think he got a lot out of that but i think some some of the people around him thought that was quite bizarre um because it seemed a little bit forced i think
0: like which people like his his fellow americans or fellow foreigners or or the local people
1: uh both both
0: okay
1: i think i think they the local people appreciated that he was making the effort there's no doubt about that
0: mm-hmm.
1: but at the same time it was almost like he was play acting, right? So it felt like he was adopting all of these things without really having any deeper cultural understanding of what they meant.
0: Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, sounds like if I if I was in Japan and I just started wearing like kimonos and <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah,
0: But at randomly at you know inappropriate times or something like that.
1: So have, have you met any any American guys or, or girls that have gone native in Japan?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely two sides of that that spectrum. There's the people who just simply don't assimilate or don't make an effort. And those people are the ones that are here for, you know, three, four years, and they, they can't put together a, a sentence. And that's pretty bad. You should be able to put together a sentence. You should be able to start to understand the language. Um. And then there's the the people who are like deeply into Japanese culture, where they reject, you know, you know, having foreign friends, or mm. they, uh, I don't know, they they just want to surround themselves with only Japanese friends or Japanese culture, and they're they're super into it, right? So there's there's two sides of it, and I've seen I've seen all those people.
1: Mm. So I think one, you know. We said that it, you know, one huge barrier is it requires a lot of effort. You know, I think one side of that is it requires constant failure, especially when you're learning the language, which you know it's that's tough to go through that constant failure and mm. making those social faux pas and. Um,
0: so, so if we could stop here for a second, and I could ask you, like, in Japan, if you're if you're learning Japanese as an outsider. Mm-hmm. I think they they give you a lot of room for failure like no no one expects you to speak perfectly I think as a foreigner yeah. but I wonder like in in the US if, if we're a foreigner and we're speaking a bit broken English do you think it'd be much stricter or you know there'd be a different standard perhaps
1: uh, I think the situation here is a little bit complicated and definitely depends uh-huh. definitely depends where you go uh-huh. um I think on the one hand if you you know if you're in San Francisco or you're in Oakland or San Jose or somewhere like that, yeah you know there are so many non native speakers around all the time okay that people are normally fairly accommodating
0: okay, that's and
1: fairly flexible mm. um but you know you don't have to go too far to to start mm-hmm. to find people that aren't so experienced communicating and interacting with non native speakers mm-hmm. and you know it gets it can get a little bit trickier when you go to those places um mm-hmm. generally those are places that are more white um and don't have such big immigrant communities um so i think that you know those kind of places perhaps people aren't very forgiving about it
0: okay Okay. Personally, I found Japanese people to be really forgiving about my my Japanese. So it's been a real positive. And I've never been discouraged from using it for the fact that, you know, I make mistakes.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure, you know, Mm -hmm. my experience here has been a little bit different, obviously. But I think,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think you probably find that. You know, people might start losing patience with you here if you didn't speak English or you're using the wrong phrase. And, you know, there might be some eye rolling sometimes if you're in the wrong place.
0: Wow, yeah. That, and that can be really discouraging to someone. And I, I would applaud anyone who makes the effort to try to speak, speak English And in the United States, while you're, whether you're visiting or you're a recent immigrant. I think, I think that's a huge effort. And, uh, yeah, people should be more patient. <laughs>
1: Of course, yeah, um, so I think another you know another point that we mentioned before that I think is quite interesting is about one of the barriers to about with assimilation is that mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you have to leave your own culture behind and in some cases even reject or partially reject your own culture in order to assimilate yeah um, so and I think sometimes that leads to a certain loss of identity and a feeling of alienation. So that's definitely something I went through um, maybe two or three years ago. Mm. Um, so have you, have you felt that you needed to reject any part of American culture to become quote unquote more Japanese?
0: Um, not exactly reject, but I think I needed to set, set it aside sometimes or get out of my, my American mindset because if you're stuck in, in your American mindset, I think you're going to get frustrated, right? If you, if you have the mindset where like, well, in America, we do this, or why don't you just do this? Like, mm-hmm. I think if you start thinking that way, you're, you're gonna run up against a wall a lot of the time, especially here in Japan, which is a rigid society. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to understand, but i've definitely been guilty of uh trying of seeing things from the lens of of an american and i've been frustrated i've I've come up against that but I, i have to definitely check myself and find the balance for example um i think i think one example is uh the way you deal with people here the way you deal with people is is a bit indirect it's a bit passive right Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a bit more forceful sometimes and, uh, but you know, it, it won't exactly get you what you want if you are forceful, right? So there's there's this, there's this uh, I guess I could bring Akari into this because usually when I'm with her, I ask her to translate, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, because, I, you know, I want to get something or I want to do something or achieve some task or re- do some errand, right? Yeah, and she'll come up against a wall culturally and you know she'll tell me no they can't do it or it can't be done or 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 i don't know it could just be something and for me it'll seem like totally illogical like no this isn't right they could do it they just you know what's going on and i'll I'll definitely want to push the situation right because you know i think americans are a bit forceful in, in thinking like if i just you know apply pressure if i apply my personality i can get my result right but that's that's not always the case in japan and i i think those are those are the times i get frustrated
1: that makes a lot of sense yeah so you feel like you want it to be like america and it's and it's not
0: i want people to have the same uh american uh Mindset, or you know, I adhere to my logic, which is an American logic, but it is in America, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah,
1: well, let let me, Um, this is one I just thought of that I think okay is, in, is interesting because yeah. I feel like I have lost my identity partially in that way, and I have changed in that way, but in this case, it's for the better. So, you know, one big difference between the culture in California especially and in the UK is that high levels of enthusiasm are expected here Um, whether you're meeting a friend or you're dating or you're going for a job interview or you know you meet someone you meet an acquaintance in the street Mm -hmm. you need to be enthusiastic Um, if you're not then that can be you know quite a big cultural faux pas but I think I struggled with that for, for a few years thinking that it was so, it was very false. Um, it was fake. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want people to be disingenuous with me, Mm -hmm. but actually I think that just the act of being positive, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of the context is, can be, uh, healthy for healthy for people. Um, and so, Mm You know, to give the example of a job interview, for example, if if I go into a job interview and I boast about myself here that's considered to be considered to be a plus and um, Mm. You know that helps me feel good about myself because I'm fulfilling that cultural expectation and I'm also uh, you know, reaffirming my own achievements or my own good qualities. Yes. And I, you know, I think that's been, that's definitely been something that I struggled with in terms of feeling like I was being inauthentic, but now I feel like it's definitely been some way that I've grown as a person and it's, it's had a positive impact on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, you know, speak well about yourself, I guess it's seen as confidence or, you know, people say, Oh man, that's good leadership or, positive energy but like yeah if you do that in Japan it's seen as arrogance and it's seen as uh, someone who perhaps their personality is not the type that you would want to hire right it's like oh he's not a team player he's he's really talking about himself so yeah it's a big difference
1: so let's mention one final barrier before we kind of come to some conclusions, um, and I think this is one that probably uh, afflicts you much more than it does me. Um, it definitely, it definitely does. Um, is the kind of one barrier to making that effort to assimilate is that you're always a foreigner. You know, no matter what you do, mm-hmm. there's no way around it. Like you can never assimilate one one hundred percent. And by yeah. you, I do mean specifically you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think I just I embrace that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. totally, it's totally fine. I, I never want to be Japanese. So I, I, I don't mind it. But if, if you are someone who's, who's like, um, invested a lot here, and I've invested a lot, but I mean, someone who's thinking like, I really love Japan, I want to be Japanese. It just, it just can't happen, I think, because you are a foreigner, and you look different, and you're not ethnically Japanese. And uh, that barrier will always exist, whether you get married, whether you have kids here, whether you're employed here for life. I mean, you essentially will never quite be Japanese, right? There's always going to be mm. that, that difference that's holding you back. And there's nothing you can do about it because you're simply, you know, you're born uh, ethnically you're not. You're just not. Hmm. And, um, maybe some people might find that to be a huge frustration, mm-hmm. uh, but for me it's it's fine you know i don't I don't mind that what what about in America? I guess that's the good point of america that that kind of barrier doesn't exist right uh,
1: well, i mean it doesn't it doesn't right i mean for uh-huh. someone like for someone like me, the barrier there is very low, uh-huh. and if I want to overcome it, i can mm-hmm. and if I start call going around saying that I'm an American, people will, mm-hmm. people won't question that. Um, as I think we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, obviously for other for other people, it's it's much more difficult to overcome. And a big part of my job now is working with non-native speakers who are looking for jobs. Yeah. And you know, more and more, I'm coming to the conclusion that you know these people, mm-hmm. their main their main difficulty is not that they aren't qualified yeah. and it's not that they don't speak English because a lot of them speak English very well it's that they don't mm-hmm. they they can't navigate the culture and in this case kind of like the job hunting culture in the United States they can't navigate that and that is the big thing that's holding them back
0: What, what specifics of American uh, job hunting culture are difficult for those types of people?
1: Well I've mentioned um Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this, uh, the enthusiasm thing. I think that's one that confuses quite a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially from central Asian, East Asian countries where, you know, that kind of enthusiasm or that kind of boastfulness is considered to be a big no, no, um, but it's also just kind of acting like you're one of the in crowd, you know, Mm -hmm. you know people want to hire people that are like them right they want to hire people that are gonna fit in
0: yeah
1: Um, so I think it's just it's quite difficult to understand what's what those social cues are and how Mm -hmm. to play into those um, without a deeper cultural understanding
0: Sure, sure. So making a connection is is tough in those interviews for them. Then mm-hmm. that culture.
1: yeah. So I mean, to give a to give a more local example, yeah. um, you know, you could be the best computer programmer in the world, mm-hmm. but if you come to Silicon Valley, like you need to demonstrate that you share those values that they have in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they're not going to accept you, and that's you know a big part of it is kind of fit quote unquote fit right and that's a big um area that area that people use to decide whether they're going to hire people or not
0: yeah that that cultural company culture fit yeah it's very important
1: um so let's wrap things up with a few conclusions then and you know maybe what after we've been in you know a couple of different countries and spend a significant amount of time there yes what what rewards we've seen what benefits we've seen from, you know, overcoming or partially overcoming some of the barriers that we've mentioned.
0: Okay.
1: So what, I mean, mm-hmm. you've put in that effort, you've improved your Japanese, you know, you're in a long-term relationship with a Japanese person. Mm-hmm. That's all, that all took quite a lot of effort, right? So what, what do you see as a reward from that?
0: Um, I think what I what the biggest reward has been to understand uh, a different mindset or uh understand a different perspective so it's allowed me to blend my previous mindset and perspective to to come up with this totally new new kind of hybrid (laughs) i guess uh mindset on life and uh yeah and i think that's been really invaluable valuable to me because i think anyone who just has you know one one cultural perspective or one mindset yeah i think you're doing yourself a disservice so it's it's good to see things from multiple point of views and that's for me that's been huge how about for you
1: i think i was going to say something similar in that spending time with and developing relationships with people from all over the world, but then, you know, in certain specific cases, sharing their culture in their hometowns and their countries, mm. um, you know, has allowed has allowed me to have a, a broader view on what is and isn't important. Um, and so that's, that's helped me to take my own values and my own cultural baggage mm. and keep the things that I have assessed from different perspectives. And I've thought, okay, that's important to me um, that's enjoyable that's a good value and keep those and emphasize those and then at the same time discard or let go of those things that you know boxed me in or have um, you know made, made me judge myself in a, in a negative way uh, just because that's a part of of British culture in in my case so it's allowed me to examine those things and you know
0: decide that they're
1: they're not important to me anymore
0: which british value have you really uh, held on to quite strongly even though... um i don't
1: know i think there's, uh, th- get, get I on. Mean, there's cultural values are so amorphous right they're so they're difficult to define and they're um you know i I to, to to choose one that's perhaps slightly inane i'm you know I've always been a punctual person and yeah. living in places where people have been impunctual fairly often has not changed my mind uh, on that and i still consider that to be important and i can still consider that to be an important sign of respect even if perhaps other people don't see it in the same way,
0: you were living on Chilean time for a while there. That must have been tough. Uh,
1: Ch- I think Mex- Mexican like timekeeping time is 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 more is more extreme than uh, Chileans. Yeah, but Mexicans tend to have a more relaxed attitude towards time. But
0: like, let's meet yeah. at two, and then they show up at two forty. <laughs>
1: uh it depends what the event is, right but yeah, I mean, I just learned to take a book with me and uh expect that people were gonna be late and as soon as i uh-huh. as soon as I changed my mindset on that and accepted that people were often going to be late yeah then i could I could let go of that frustration as you know once I realized that mm-hmm. it wasn't a, it wasn't them disrespecting me hmm um I could, I could, you know, be more flexible in that way. Still, yeah. though, you know, if 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 uh, a Japanese person's late or a British person's late, then that then that really irritates me because I know that in those cultures punctuality is important, and yeah. that the, you know when those people are late, they are being disrespectful to me.
0: Yeah, I went I went to Peru in this uh, past January, right before the the virus hit, mm-hmm. and what what really stuck out to me was Peruvian time and being on Peruvian time was quite shocking. Like yeah. my dad would say, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to go out from the house at 1130. So I'd be in the lobby, not in the lobby, like downstairs in the, in the dining room. or right, I'm ready. 1130. Nobody's yeah. ready. <laughs> Everyone comes down like at 1155. I was like, why'd you tell me 1130? I'm ready. So that was that was quite frustrating to be on Peruvian time. And I finally, you know, especially coming from Japan where everyone's punctual, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to let, let that go. And it took, it took a week or two to just let it go. Kind of. Yeah. And I think that,
1: you know, as a final thought on this. Yeah. yeah. If you can have that flexibility and you can assimilate, then you can pick and choose, you Mm -hmm. know, the best parts of that culture. And you know for the most part leave those things that you don't like behind both from your own culture and the new culture mm-hmm. and just you know work the system to get to get the results that you want and you know the type of life that's really going to make you happy great awesome all right well thank you very much for listening today uh you can find us on uh social media at permanently res, R-E-S. Uh, at facebook facebook.com slash permanently res and if you want to send us a comment question or abusive remark then you can find us at permanently res at gmail.com
0: all right everyone see you next time Bye bye